0: in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call PlantStock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on PlantStock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. I'm Rip Esselstyn and welcome to the PlantStrong podcast. The mission at PlantStrong is to further the advancement of all things within the plant-based movement. We advocate for the scientifically proven benefits of plant-based living and envision a world that universally understands, promotes, and prescribes plants as a solution to empowering your health, enhancing your performance, restoring the environment, and becoming better guardians to the animals we share this planet with. We welcome you wherever you are on your Strong journey, and I hope that you enjoy the show. All the way from Ozzieland, that's Sydney, Australia, I am thrilled to introduce you to Kate Galley. Kate is a health coach, personal trainer, podcaster, and author of the book, Plant Positive Journal, a step-by-step guide to mastering your time and your mind while living a healthy plant-based lifestyle. This proved to be a very positive and beautiful conversation Because Kate is so incredibly passionate about a plant-based lifestyle and, as she says, leading with love. Always leading with love. Over the course of the 500-plus pages of the journal, you will learn how to consistently prioritize the food, exercise, and other healthy habits that build on each other to create a compounding and lasting effect. You'll focus on aligning your values and beliefs with daily gratitude pages and even receive delicious recipes and equipment-free workouts. Today, Kate and I talk about a lot of things, including her journal, her seven-step guide to cultivating self-care, and what exactly it takes to build the habits and values for lasting change that we all are seeking. Please welcome to the Plan Strong Podcast... Kate Galley. Kate Galley, welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Rip, I'm awesome. It is my pleasure to be here with you.
0: Well, it's my pleasure to have you join us. Um, where, Kate? Tell me with that accent. Where in the world are you coming to us live from right now?
1: Uh, you couldn't tell. I'm in Sydney, Australia, and apologies. That's why it's a little bit dark in the backgrounds here.
0: Well, so what time is it there? It is 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Okay. Well, it's 1 p.m. here in uh, in sunny Austin, Texas. <laughs> so uh, we got quite the dichotomy going on here. And 4 a.m., you're in Australia. And did you say it was Friday?
1: Yeah, I'm in the future.
0: <laughs> that, that is wild. Well, cool. Cause it's Thursday where I am. Well, listen, I, I know that you are a vegan health coach. You're an author. You like me, you share uh, my drive to create a healthier and more compassionate world. And you've been going like gangbusters for, for a while. You have a very successful podcast called healthification tell me how many, how many episodes have you done?
1: Oh, wow. So healthification is my heart. I absolutely love it. We are over 830 episodes, I think 833 now, which is pretty amazing.
0: I mean, you're like, you're approaching like Joe Rogan with numbers like that. 800. I mean, how many years have you been doing this?
1: I think it's like eight now. Hey, if only I could have the reach for the for the animals and for the planet as, as Joe does, but you know, it's a goal for the future.
0: Wow. And and what, um, so what inspired you? Let's go back to the beginning. So when did you decide that you were going to go vegan or plant-based? Did you refer to it as vegan or plant-based?
1: Well, sadly, I was that little girl, that child that loved animals and and ate animals. And I never thought I could even be vegetarian. And then at 16, I became vegetarian for the animals. And you know, I didn't want anyone to die for my food choices. And sadly, like many of us, I was ignorant to the fact that animals were still dying when I was vegetarian. And and Rip, it would take me a further 23 years until I actually watched Cowspiracy, and I learned that we've all been lied to, and I decided that I needed to be vegan. That's definitely the word I proudly use, and it was pretty much an overnight decision from that point, and that's seven and a half years ago now. Hmm.
0: Yeah, because I think Cowspiracy came out in 2013 or 14. So you Mm -hmm. probably saw it in 2015 ish.
1: Yeah, 15, beginning of 16, I
0: think. Right. Well, that's so that's really so that really moved you. So you saw that documentary, and literally the next day, you were like, "I'm going all in. I'm I'm all vegan now, not just vegetarian."
1: I'll tell you, it made me really angry and frustrated, right, because I was believing that I was an ethical
0: vegetarian,
1: that no animals were dying for my food choices, even though I was eating up to 20 egg whites a day and a tiny little bit of cheese. And so when that veil, I guess, was lifted um yeah it was overnight but also I was super angry I felt like I had time to make up for lives to make up for I was working in a pretty gym bro type of a gym where I was already the the freak for being vegetarian yeah. and being vegan was you know uh, quite it wasn't taken well that announcement I remember one of the boys saying well goodbye lean muscle mass and um I was a little hesitant but thankfully we were both wrong as you know a vegan lifestyle can be incredibly healthy.
0: So what's the culture like in Australia? Because my understanding is that veganism mm. plant-based is is pretty it's a pretty hot hot topic in Australia and you know never having never been there I'd love to you know get your vantage point having been a vegan there in that culture now for you know seven plus years
1: You've got to check it out. Australia is amazing. I think our culture here is similar to the US in that it is incredibly fraught. Uh, the government and big corporations, there's a lot of, I guess, maintained status quo and there's a, a lot of marketing-wise, there's a lot of empathy for our poor, downtrodden farmers. And and to be clear, I've got so much respect for farmers. We need farmers I just want them to farm plants, not animals. So the atmosphere is is fraught. We've got tight ag gag laws like you do. The media loves to portray animal rights activists as extremists doing dangerous things. And, um, on the positives, there's a really strong, powerful community of animal rights activists and an abundance of delicious Vegan food and amazing vegan res- uh, restaurants, but I don't know I'm curious, are you finding this the more powerful the movement becomes, the more much the more media attention the more people mm-hmm. adopt the lifestyle It's like the pushback the fight is even harder because maybe they're in fear of the change that is coming
0: mhm mm-hmm. I think that's definitely the case for sure what's the what's the population of Australia?
1: Oh, I think we're around, I'm rubbish at this sort of of thing, but I think we're around 25 million and around 5 million here in Sydney where I am, which is, it's kind of neck and neck with Melbourne to be the biggest city. They keep changing places. Okay.
0: I I think the United States is, you know, somewhere around 350-ish million. So, I mean, I'm just trying to compare populations. And so you're not even, not quite 10% of uh, of the United States. Um, Correct. Yeah, interesting. Uh, well, so tell me, how fit, how strong, how healthy, and how happy are you?
1: <laughs> um, do you know, the fit and strong, definitely that stayed about the same from when I'd been vegetarian to, to vegan. You know, I was, as I hinted at, I was Really fearful that I'd been I'd been living uh, I've been a personal trainer for about a decade when I became vegan seven and a half years ago and I had my body and my fitness and my strength exactly where I wanted it with a high protein low carbohydrate vegetarian lifestyle and I was really happy right and I thought that I might gain a lot of fat I might lose a lot of muscle I might lose some strength adopting the plant-based lifestyle and as we said nothing changed so apart from being seven and a half years older I'm in my mid-40s now I'm probably not the fittest and strongest I've ever been but I'm still doing pretty well and I think it's still um I've watched all of my clients who've been with me for, you know, some of them 17 years now, the whole journey. I've watched them watch me make this lifestyle change and they're really judging it to see whether it works or not. And, you know, so I hide my, hold myself to a pretty high standard and you know no no doubt I'm the trainer that's never off sick that I'm always doing my training that that there's got to be something to that so far as the plant-based lifestyle
0: so you've had some of your clients for seventeen years. Would you say if you had to like guesstimate what percentage of your clients have come over to the vegan lifestyle?
1: So sadly, I can say that zero have come over 100%, however, many and, and they don't like the word vegan so sure. much and they're all about plant-based for their health. Whereas I'm vegan for the animals, I, I say, you know, with with love and pride that I'm a, an extreme animal rights activist, you know, I, I I think that's important. However, for my clients, they've incorporated a lot more plant foods, a lot more plant proteins, which is amazing and, and leaving out some of those, some of that flesh that they were so addicted to. So there has been a, a a hugely positive influence, but not a black or white. I'm team vegan now, sadly, because, you know, they came on board that many years ago with me when I was vegetarian and I wasn't as loud about the lifestyle as what I am now. Um, So, yeah, bit by bit, gradually.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned plant protein. So when you think of plant protein, what does that mean to you?
1: Well, I'm going to say it's changed over the years. I was very fearful of carbohydrates and even fats early days. That was kind of drilled into me old school as a personal trainer. And hence the twenty egg whites a day, you know, a decade ago. And so when I started, I was all about the protein powders and maybe the soy. And now I'm all about the lentils, like all the legumes, multiple times a day. Still the tofu, the tempeh, the occasional delicious plant-based burger made with beans and mushrooms and and everything else. But aside from that, as you know, there's protein all over the place and the yeah. nuts and seeds and fruits and veggies. So it is abundant. And I will say the variety that I enjoy in my meals now, so much more than, than when I was vego and and even than when I ate meat.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that over the years you've transitioned – more from you know the the protein powders and the shakes and stuff like that stuff to more whole food plant based, right? Where you're going to get the biggest bang for your nutritional buck, uh, and in, in addition to the the protein, you're also getting obviously all those vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and phytonutrients and of course fiber. Right? You know, it's crazy to me how just in the last five six years we've learned of the, just the, the integral role that fiber plays in our gut microbiome, our immune, our immune health, and so many other things, you know, what I'm talking about.
1: I 100% know what you're talking about. And, um, yeah, I, I, I will say too, you know, early days I was stuck on the macronutrients, the carbs, proteins, fats, and now my focus and, and what I advocate to my clients face-to-face and in person is much more of a, a focus on all the vital micronutrients that we need. And as you said, the the fiber and the diversity and just that big, abundant, colorful plate of food that is, you know, both vis- visually appealing and also absolutely delicious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I had Dr. Will Balschwitz on not too long ago and we talked about the American Gut Project, you know, several years, 10,000 people. And the, you know, the biggest outcome showed that the most important thing for a rockin' microbiome is 30-plus different plant-based, whole plant-based foods over the course of a week, right? I mean, and as you know, it's not that hard to do, Right. 100 yeah.
1: percent dr dr bolsovitz is absolutely amazing i've had him on a couple of times as well and wow he is doing amazing work and i mean you can make fun of it you know so far as like how many how many different plants can i get on my plate today or in my day today and try and new foods and and even you know i'm finding not just new foods, but some of the foods that we used to hate as children, you know, our taste buds change and, and thankfully our cooking ability changes. And some of those disgusting foods as kids, as are now when we cook them properly, like Brussels sprouts, are absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, they are. Although I still can't handle sauerkraut. I just have a okay. hard time with fermented foods. right? And 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 they're supposed to be really beneficial for the the gut too.
1: I think that's something I overdid early days. I was all about the micronutrients. Again, I worked in a kind of gym bro type of a scenario and I wanted to prove them wrong when they thought I'd become this scrawny vegan. And I almost tried to get every single micronutrient into every single meal. And I was adding spirulina to everything and, and stuff started tasting a bit gross. I was taking it too seriously. And so I just, I chilled out a little bit and, you know, it still works and it, it's a lot more joyful.
0: Are you a type A personality? Uh, people
1: tell me I am. So I get enough people tell me I am that maybe I am.
0: So you wrote a, uh, a book recently. It's called the plant positive journal right? Love that plant positive journal, 508 pages long. Tell me a little bit about like what's in this journal.
1: So this is my little vegan Trojan horse. It is a a stunning journal, daily planner. It's basically a a step-by-step guide to help you master your time and also your mind while living a healthy plant-based lifestyle. Because my, I mean, my favorite part of coaching is helping people create the most effective mindset to make the best, most effective eating and exercising actions simple and sustainable. So this little journal, diary, daily planner, it's bit by bit got all the most effective actions that I've found over the years with myself and with my clients just to create that powerful mindset that you have a really important compelling goal and you've got motivation early days but we all get those struggle streak days and we need those mindset tips to fall back on and it came about because i actually had a beautiful diary that had been gifted to me that i used to plan my day it's the only way i get a lot done and it was stunning but it talked about the moons and the stars and I didn't read the information that it talked about I just used it as an effective beautiful tool and I thought how about if I created something like that that was vegan and that it planted little seeds with everyone that was using it as a daily planner and bit by bit you know maybe they would take on some of this this advice and try some of their recipes and and so that's the journal. I'm I'm super proud of it and, and excited okay. to get it out into the world.
0: Well, the cover to me is so classically beautiful, and it just kind of radiates this, this calm. Do you have one that you can hold up there?
1: I can. It will go backwards. It's probably, uh, yeah, that goes right. So, I mean, I like it's open on today. I just scribble over this thing every single day, but the – it's got just stunning artwork wow. in it as well. Um, a lot of people, a lot of professionals, professionals helped me create this thing. The graphic designer was amazing. It's a beast. I actually sent one off to America yesterday, but it weighs nearly a kilo. Um, <laughs> so it's a, a beautiful beast. I did an online version as well just because it's so heavy, but I really like the paper version, scribbling all over it and ticking the boxes.
0: So kilo is 2.2
1: pounds, which is quite a lot, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So you talk about how love is easier than hate mm-hmm. and why you stop being an angry vegan. Can you address that?
1: I absolutely can. And I'll say up front that it is a constant work in progress for me. Um, my first few years vegan, I was absolutely that that angry vegan I was super I was sad and frustrated that the people around me who were generally compassionate and intelligent just didn't get it you know they didn't find they didn't hear the information that I had heard see the videos that I had seen and and make the change that I had made and Again, it took me years, and it took me eroding relationships. That was really it. I, I was, I realized the energy I was spending on always being angry and disappointed and frustrated, and I kind of bit by bit am schooling myself to lead more with love and in compassion and. I mean, for the listeners who can maybe relate, I even have a little bit of an ABC to help you get yourself here, which I can I can share. And the first one, A, is for awareness. You know, I, I kind of had a chat with myself and I said, the amount of energy that this is taking right now, always being angry and sad and disappointed in people you otherwise love. If nothing changes, six months, 12 months, 24 months, what's your life going to look like if this is the way that you're feeling 24-7? Mm-hmm. And the B, the B is for brainstorm. I, I did this. I brainstormed the things that I can stop doing and the things that I can start doing. And sadly, I stopped doing animal rights activism for a while. I, I stopped holding up the screens of, of animals in slaughterhouses because it was just... It was costing me too much and seeing those videos online across the socials was costing too much and and sharing them was costing too much. And the things that I started doing, I started following those really happy, joyful pages like Edgar's Mission and the Farm Sanctuaries. I started sharing happy videos. I started Mm -hmm. sharing my delicious food. They were some of the things I started doing. And the C step is a commitment. And com- the, the C is all about, I guess, commitments yourself, but also announcing. Um, you know, I've, I've stopped being an angry vegan. And, and Rip, you can you can bet that if I make that announcement, I make that commitment. And then I slide back into that natural little passionate angry cake with friends or family. They're going to remind me that, hey, aren't you no longer the angry vegan? And they're going to call me on it. And as I said, it's a journey.
0: So under Brainstorm, you said that you stopped doing the,
1: the, um, the, activism.
0: the, the activism, the unhappy social media stuff because it was costing you too much, costing you mm-hmm. much. Like, can you explain in what way?
1: I can. I can go a I whole lot deeper. Yeah, look, I'm going to go deeper, and it's a bit sad, but um, a bit of history with, with me is that all my friends and family, none of them, you know, I've been vegetarian since I was 23 and, and vegan now seven and a half years, and no one close to me was open to the lifestyle Until a few years ago, my dear mum, after years of me emotionally blackmailing, funny that doesn't work, after years of me pressuring my parents to at least try it, to to watch um, what the health for my 40th birthday, none of that worked until one Christmas I was right into animal rights activism and mum rang me up and she said, Katie, I'm really worried about Christmas. You're going to come home and it's going to be so fraught with your father and the food, and I really don't know what to do unless you mastermind an entire vegan Christmas and sell it to the family. And I was like, done. I am masterminding that Christmas I will make all the food can you just sell it to the family and anyway that happened I cooked six new recipes everyone loved it it was amazing it's quite a few years ago now and the day after mum said hey Katie can you put what's the health on Netflix and watch it with me Mm. she asked and we watched it and mum was an incredibly compassionate person. She was a nurse for 30 years. She really resonated with the fact that we live in a society now where we sell sick care rather than than health care. And she said, I'm going to try this plant-based thing for two weeks. And anyway, we basically, mum became vegan bit by bit. And we bonded over that hugely. And I had so much respect. We got so much closer. Yeah. And there's a really sad point to this that in October, and, and so Mum was the only one in my family that was, you know, supportive. And how, she listened and how,
0: to, and how big is, the, is your family?
1: Oh, do you know my family's actually quite small, but I, I include all my extended family and all my long-term friends and all my colleagues and clients. It was just mum and I, and she'd come on the podcast regularly, Annie's Cooking Corner and, and all of this. And um, anyway, a few years on, in October 2021, mum died suddenly, completely out of the blue. Nothing health-related or lifestyle-related, and I spoke to her one morning, Sunday morning, like always, and by Sunday afternoon she was gone and she was the only one that, you know, We, A, she was my person, my most important person in in the world, but also she was the only one that I shared this most important, like, goal and vision and value with, and it meant It it took a while initially. It meant that dad and I fought even more over this difference in our lifestyle. But the reason I came to believe that I need to lead with love is I kind of thought, gosh, if dad died tomorrow, we don't have a really good relationship. We don't have the relationship that that mum and I had. And I didn't have any regrets when mom died, just the most sadness in the world, but no regrets as to how our relationship was, but I would have with my dad. So bit by bit, I just, I started to, you know, lead, be more understanding, focus more on what we have in common because there are things Mm -hmm. rather than focus on everything that
0: he wasn't doing. And, And how's that been going with your, with your dad?
1: so much better you know um we've had some amazing blow-ups we we were always known for that mum was the peacemaker and and dad and I would just go head to head and we would have those blow-ups but but well I mean I guess we've we've connected over over the most the saddest most horrific thing that can ever happen which is leave it losing the person you love most we have connected over that but you know uh, I guess a year or so after mum passed when I I came home to Noosa where dad lived for the first time in his life he had actually cooked me a full vegan meal and and now he does that every time I go up there and like it's beautiful that the the years before that he hadn't cooked so much as a baked potato for me because he's the anti-vegan but now you know he's reading recipes and, and going to effort. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah.
0: What, uh, can you remember what meal he made for you?
1: Yeah, it was a tofu dish, you know, it was fine. It wasn't amazing, but, yeah. um, but the thought was amazing and it just, it it made me want to try so much harder, um, you know, bit by bit. So yeah. it's
0: well, progress. That's, yeah, that's really, that's really beautiful. So you mentioned, um, sick care, right? We're all about the sick Mm. care. Not so much about the self-care, unfortunately. (laughs) And and, and you have a seven step guide to helping people cultivate self-care, uh, around, you know, being a healthy vegan plant-based, you know, lifestyle. Can you share some of those seven?
1: I absolutely will. And, um, you know, it, it's just something that I've noticed that we often lead, especially if we're, we're vegan for the animals. We often, we're working so hard. We're so dedicated. We're so passionate. And perhaps ourselves are the, the people, the ones that we don't look after. So. I love an acronym. So it is a self-care acronym. And, and number one, the S is about your self-talk because the only person you're with 24-7 is yourself and your unconscious mind is listening. So it's just a matter of, of consciously reframing that negative self-talk that you might be in the habit of, of, of making. And bit by bit, all those reframes, it is going to start to come up. Come out more positively with time I've absolutely had that experience. step number two that
0: no, e let me just let me just enter yeah inter- yeah, that is so important, and i you know i I read once that most of us have somewhere in the neighborhood of sixty to eighty thousand thoughts a day, sixty mm-hmm. to eighty thousand insane and 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 close to ninety percent of those are negative
1: so oh if- no.
0: Yeah. So if we can flip the script, right. And have it be mostly, you know, positive self-talk. I think that to your point, that can be a, a real game changer. So powerful. Um, And and how do you, I mean, what, but what are, what's a tool to do that? And you just catch yourself going, God, I, I was negative. I need to flip that around.
1: You totally do. And it is going to seem really fake initially. I'm a huge fa- fan of the reframe. So consciously reframing, um, a way that you think to have the more positive outcome, the outcome that, that lets you take a more positive action, whatever it may be. And that's what you do with, with yourself talk when you're like, "Ah, oh, you stupid idiot, whatever it may be, you mm-hmm. catch yourself. Okay. It came out and And you reframe it to something more supportive, the way that you would talk to your mom or your friend or your little sister. And as fake as it seems, you know, if the outcome's gonna be amazing, which it is, it doesn't matter if it feels a little bit fake initially, it will get to the point where it comes naturally. And I've absolutely had that
0: experience. Nice. So fake it until you make it positive.
1: (laughs) Of course, with absolute love for yourself. Um, the, The next step. E is, is long but potent and it is to elicit your values and beliefs and to use them as a daily decision-making filter. So your values are those states that you are naturally drawn to and your beliefs about yourself are basically everything that comes after I am. And they're really, really Potent. And so maybe you know your values are integrity or passion or whatever they are for our listeners. Mm-hmm. I use them every day as a filter, you know, before I say yes or no to something, because absolutely filtering your choices aligned with these values and beliefs is is a powerful form of, of self-care. Mm-hmm. Number three L is lock and load the big rocks that keep you healthy and happy. So those are those huge important habits, maybe keystone habits like exercise and food prep and meditation and time in nature that that you know um, keep you functioning effectively and, and keep you happy. And I re- recommend jotting them down in your journal or, or logging them wherever you log things as big non-negotiable rocks at the start of every single week.
0: Mm. So, so, so in your journal, so you do that at the start of every week and then do you also try and do it every day as well?
1: All of it. I set weekly goals, um, big weekly goals with time allocated. And then each day I prioritize what needs to be done aligned with those weekly goals and, and stuff like exercise. Personally, it happens so naturally. It's so locked and loaded and aligned with my values and beliefs as a personal trainer. It's a non-negotiable. Stuff like meditation and journaling, I still have to write down in the little journal to remind me because it's not yet a non-negotiable habit.
0: So let me, let me, before you go on to um, the uh, F in self, self, I want you to talk a little bit about, cause you, you, I think you have a way of talking to yourself or talking to your clients when they lose the mojo to want to exercise. And, and for myself, it's, it's, it has been something that I've been lockstep with since I was probably six, seven years old. Right. Mm-hmm. I, if I don't exercise, I just don't feel whole. I don't feel grounded. I don't feel like I've got my oogies out. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I need it right mm-hmm. daily. I need, I, and it doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, I've gotten to the point to where I'm okay with 30 minutes or 45 minutes of exercise, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what do you say to people that are just losing it or people that like, would rather take a nap than even think about exercising.
1: Do you know, I always go back to, we're so keen on the actions, right? Whereas more importantly, we need to lay the foundation, the mindset, preparation components for our future success and aligning your values and beliefs with the goal that you're looking to achieve, I think is the most potent thing long-term. It removes the decision-making process. So for example, for me, if I'm a person, if integrity is a really important value to me, then as a personal trainer, you better believe I've got to look and feel and act the part if, if I have any sort of, if I want to maintain any sort of of integrity. So for me, that almost makes the decision to exercise or not. Like it's not even a decision. It's already decided because it's aligned with my integrity. Now for a client who yeah. isn't a personal trainer, perhaps their number one value is family or love and connection, whatever it may be. It's doing the work with them to elicit that value and to align it with the goal they're looking to achieve. You know, obviously we would have um, dug in with what are you looking to achieve and what's that going to mean to you and to your family and to your ideal life. Like They, they come up with a specific goal and they also infuse it with massive emotional intensity about how it's going to change their life. And then they connect it with their values, you know, being fit and strong and healthy to play with their kids or my clients more so maybe to play with their grandkids because my clients have aged with me, or maybe it's that they're setting a really good, healthy example and, and showing their kids how to eat and how to move. That would be a foundational step. But beyond that, I would always suggest that like it's a privilege to have the freedom and the health and the time and the money to be able to exercise. And, and I ask my clients to see it as precious them time. You know, it, it's, it really is self-indulgent in the best possible way, time for them to, to really focus on, on
0: themselves and the good that they're doing for themselves. Hear ye, That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, should we go back to uh, self-care? Let's go
1: back to self care, and F is um, it's another filter. It's filter the people you spend time with, and this is especially important for those of us that like to describe our, ourselves as animal rights activists. You know, there are there are some people that are very draining on our energy, and, and maybe we can't choose our family. Um, however, we can choose the people that we spend time with, and there are very definitely people in our lives that we can actively spend a little less time with, they might even be clients. And equally, there are those people that we feel amazing after we spend time with, and we can very consciously schedule a little bit more time with them into our weeks as well because they're those uplifting,
0: energy-giving friends. hmm hmm Yes, I find that the older I get,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: more stingy I become uh-huh. I become with my time and who I'm spending time with super super I'm, I'm becoming so selective yeah especially yeah. especially with a wife and three young kids because if I'm with somebody else it's basically taking a time a time away from my 9 14 and 16 year old and and this is time that you know uh, I'm not going to get back And they're going to be gone and out of the house, you know, in the blink of an eye
1: that's a beautiful way to look at it and it, it leads us very well to step five which is to create a not to-do list because that precedes the do list right and so you've done that you've, you've kind of decided perhaps on some of the things and some of the people that you might not be spending time with because what where you decide to put that not to do or not to spend time energy that then gives you more of the time to spend with the people you love most um yeah so that's step five create a not to
0: do list i like that that. um (laughs) and, and can you have people on that list
1: I reckon you can. It's your list. You can do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, Yeah, just keep it to yourself, right?
1: (laughs) A hundred percent. That's like I'm a huge fan off track, but I'm a huge fan of the anti-mentor as much as the mentor. And often I'll think of that when if I, you know, the rare occasion I don't want to do exercise rather than thinking of that amazing fit vegan athlete. I might actually think of that anti-mentor, that really lazy, sluggish, that person I really don't want to be. I'll yeah. think of them and that will motivate me to take action. However, never tell someone they're your anti-mentor.
0: No, no. No, no. no not unless it's, you know, somehow in major jest and they can handle it. <laughs> 100%. Right. So uh, so 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 the so for you, you don't your anti-mentor is a is a lazy, slothy, uh undisciplined. Undisciplined, snivelling little complaining thing. <laughs>
1: a, an overly privileged thing who yeah. would, you know, who would rather complain than get results. And um, that's unattractive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're all about the results.
1: I am. There's that high pay, supposedly, right? Yeah. Uh, Step six, I need to re-implement. Step six is a 24-hour digital detox. I did this for about a year. It was amazing. I would decide a time, say, 4 p.m. on a Saturday, and I would go offline for 24 hours till 4 p.m. on a Sunday. I would probably cheat by downloading some podcasts to listen to on my walk in the morning, but no social, no email, none of that for 24 Mm. hours, and that was amazing.
0: Amazing. And how often are you trying to do the 24-hour digital detox? Once a week. Once a week. Once a week?
1: Yeah, every su- every Saturday through Sunday or whatever works for mm-hmm. you when you're having precious family time, perhaps. And um, yeah. as I said, it was amazing. I have to redo it.
0: Um, I really like that. That would, um, in today's culture, I'm just thinking of myself right now especially with everything that I have going on you know mm. the podcast and the business and all that stuff 24 hour taking a step away would be would be hard but I I want to I like the challenge
1: for sure Yeah it's worth the effort mm-hmm. Step number 7 is one of my favorites as well R is the realistic expectations of you and the people you love so mm. This is about, I guess, lowering the bar to raise your chance of success. I found that I had really unrealistic expectations of everyone, really, especially myself. But but the people I love too, you know, as I hinted at before, I expected that they might see Earthlings or dominion like I did and and make the changes that I did and again that's not meeting them where they're at and it, it's leading to that fraught type of relationship I, I don't want to have and so now what I do is I really consciously focus on on what we have in common. So what I have in common with the people I love, you know, my dad and I both have cats. We talk about our cats all the time. We don't talk about climate change or or farming or politics. Um, so so that's realistic expectations.
0: How many cats do you have?
1: I have one, Loki boy, he's a rescue cat. He's amazing and um, yeah.
0: <laughs> nice, nice, we, we have a cat he i should say she she is all black and we we call her pickles
1: oh pickles is very cute oh that's yeah. sweet
0: yeah yeah tell me what did you uh so it's 4 a.m so you haven't ha- probably had breakfast yet um what did you have to eat yesterday can you Could you run through like breakfast lunch and dinner for me
1: Oh, a full day. All right. Um, my breakfast, cause I start so early, my breakfast actually tend to be more snacky. Okay. Um, and then I have bigger meals for, for lunch and dinner. So breakfast tends to be like a combination of, um, hemp seeds. I love my hemp seeds, nuts, sometimes some edaname. So mm. it's basically kind of easy, simple plant protein and um, some good fats. And when I'm in the gym, which is only four days a week, there'll be plant-based protein powder with that as well, just a protein shake with water. Um lunch will be a huge abundant salad which is like lots of raw salad veg and then a massive amount of baked starchy veg as well starchy and cruciferous veg and i dress that with dairy-free pesto that i meal prep on the weekend and it's delicious and also hummus that i make myself and that's huge, but it's not super protein rich. So I'll usually follow it with a half a cup or a cup of edaname as well, just to get that protein count up. I snack on fruit, apples, cherries, whatever it may be. Um, and then dinner. Dinner varies like everyone. It might be a curry. Last night it was marinated tofu with a whole purple sweet potato. I love those purple ones. Yeah. And they're so good. And then a heap of cruciferous vegetables. They happen to be Brussels and broccoli and cauliflower with nutritional yeast and salt last night. Um, Yeah, that's most of it, I think.
0: Sounds delicious. Do you enjoy time in the kitchen?
1: I do because I temptation bundle. Um, I think that's a Kathy Milkman habit. And it just means a a little kind of tedious habit like meal meal prep could be. I combine it with listening to a podcast or an audio book. So it's like exercise. It's kind of precious me
0: time as well. I do enjoy it. What did you refer to that as? um
1: temptation bundling so you take um, uh,
0: temptation bundling yeah i've heard that before i'm writing it down
1: okay it's really good so it's just if you find walking boring so just time your walk with that podcast that you love and maybe even make it that that's the only time that you can listen to that podcast is when you get your walk on or when you clean the house or whatever it may be Hmm.
0: do you so you mentioned protein a lot um and you you're in the gym you said four times a week is there a certain amount of protein that you try and get over the course of a day are you mm-hmm. counting your your protein grams
1: i'm not I, I i've gone really overboard with counting all my mac macronutrients in the past and I'm a lot more relaxed with that right now I just aim to get about 15 to 20 grams of protein per meal and also to have protein in my snacks as well and when a meal at like the salad when a meals a little bit light on I'll make sure I have something higher protein afterwards but probably I get around like 75 to 100 grams of protein a day which is more than adequate for someone my and my size. As I age, I think I'm 46 now. I think I probably will consciously look to introduce
0: a little bit more protein. Um, yeah. And tell, me, and tell me the reason for that as you're, you're aging to introduce more, because I would assume you look like you're pretty slight, very fit. I mean, can you, do you, can you tell me how much you weigh?
1: Yeah, I never weigh myself really, but it tends yeah. to be between like 57 and 59 kilos. I'm okay. sorry, I can't do yeah. that in pounds off the top no, of my that's head. Okay. We just that
0: yeah. 2.2, so that's yeah. easy to do. So, yes, yeah, yeah. so somewhere around 1 1 uh, you know, 120-ish. So, I mean, uh, uh, so uh, for people that are listening, mm-hmm. some people that are working out, are you trying to get roughly like 1.2 to 1.4 grams per kilogram of body weight that sounds not quite that much
1: no uh, like the numbers vary don't they like some people say 0.8 i'm more around the one probably and and then it varies whether you do it obviously in um in kilos or pounds but i've just made it super simple you know a hundred you know, grams is is a good day. That's a, a day where I'm lifting weights and I've had a protein shake as well. The other days are a little bit more light on because I'm primarily whole food plant based. However, some of those delicious vegan burgers have a, have a massive amount of protein in, in them as well. So, oh, yeah. you know, they're a massive amount of fat too. But, you know, I still eat them every single week. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the aging thing, that was purely because, you know, we naturally lose muscle mass as we get older. And, you know, I'm I'm probably always going to be in the gym. I think there's no age that you should stop lifting heavy weights. However, I have noticed I I don't lift quite as heavy as what I did in my early 30s. And so I do just want to, I love the look of muscle. Um, I just want to maintain as much
0: muscle as possible for as, as long as possible. Well, I think we all want to, because something called sarcopenia hits, I think when we turn 30 and we, whether we like it or not, we lose muscle mass if we're not Mm -hmm. conscientiously, you know, activating and working out our muscles, right? Same thing with osteoporosis. Yeah, 100%. And, and, um, but my thing is, you know, yes, you need to be getting the right amount of protein and almost everybody is as long as you're, you know, consuming enough calories. But to me, the most important thing about muscle mass, again, if you're getting the right amount of calories, is you got to hit the gym, you got to work out, right? Because just eating protein doesn't is not going to grow your muscles. And I just, yeah. I just want that to be very, very clear to the listeners.
1: You're talking my talk. I am a huge advocate of lifting heavy weights. You know, it's why I got into the gym initially. I was a debilitatingly shy teenager. I was chunky on bottom and scrawny on top. And, you know, then I learned that you can go to the gym and you can choose your curves. You can add a little bit more muscle to your upper body and and you can shave away some of that chunk down bottom. And, you know, it's not all about the aesthetics, but there is like a, a huge confidence that that you can achieve that's applicable to every area of your life when you go to the gym and you hit the weights and you see that that body that you weren't so comfortable and confident with
0: that you can change it yeah super super exciting especially especially when you at some point realize that you're kind of i'm not going to say you're kind of you are in control Mm -hmm. of of you and in many ways, the, the body that you kind of create, um, carve, however you want to say it. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, Go ahead. The body,
1: the body you sculpt. Absolutely. And um there is no better way, or it, it is it is a very good way to advocate for the animals, to advocate for the lifestyle is to rock around in a fit, strong body, and as much as you can to do it happily as well.
0: Yeah. Uh so <clears throat> It's approaching 5 a.m. now your time. <laughs> what, what time do you usually get up on a normal morning?
1: normal I, I do a lot of podcast interviews so I'm always up early one or two days a week if I wasn't up for a podcast interview I'd still be up at 4 a.m I'm an early bird I start in the gym with clients at 6 a.m four days a week um so I'm up at 4 a.m the little rescue cat Loki is bouncing from one side of my head to the other anyway from 3 to 3:30 a.m so early riser
0: Wow. So what time do you go to bed in order to wake up that early?
1: Really sadly early, like seven o'clock often. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but if I got, you know, I went out on the weekend and I lasted till like nine o'clock or something. So, you know, I can do it. I just, yeah. I'm in a bit of a working phase of life. We all have seasons, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and this is kind of a, a working season right now.
0: That's nice. So nine, 9 p.m. for you is when you get life.
1: That's <laughs> like waiting,
0: up the wild and crazy partying.
1: I'm, I'm partying hard if it's 9 p.m., yeah.
0: Wow. Well, you know what I'd love to do? Kate, this has been, this has been fantastic. And, and I, I love your positive mindset, your energy, uh, obviously your commitment to raising awareness uh, around all aspects of this lifestyle. So love this conversation. I'd love to invite you back on uh, sometime soon, and we can talk about so many other things that you um, that you've identified, like ten tips to making plant-based living much much easier. You also have a great um, a great way of thinking about being overwhelmed and how it's basically the lazy way of thinking and you have a whole acronym around, uh, overcoming, uh, over what o- being overwhelmed, right. Uh, that I think so many of us today in this society are feeling. So let's, let's bring you back and, and talk about all that.
1: I would absolutely love to come back and, and talk about overcoming overwhelm and everything else. So um, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Rip. It's been fabulous. Oh,
0: absolutely. And so if people want to uh, learn more about you, where can they go?
1: StrongBodyGreenPlanet.com is the best place to find me. I'm Strong Body Green Planet across most of the socials and the journal is front and centre on the website and the podcast is health Healthification. So um, that's I chat to passionate and compassionate animal rights, activists, athletes, authors, doctors and entrepreneurs and, and that is my heart. I love it. So that's where you find me.
0: Wow. Can you remember the first episode you did?
1: I can. It was Keith Bergeson from PISA, and um, and he was amazing. And uh, maybe a year after that, I had an absolute pinch myself moment getting to talk to Ingrid Newkirk. and. Oh. I've had so many pinch myself moments, but I just have so much respect for that wonderful woman and she was so kind and warm Mm -hmm. and the media might present her to be not that, but um, yeah, so many amazing moments
0: on on that podcast. Well, I can't even imagine you've done over 800 (laughs) podcasts. Wow. Wow!
1: Luckily, there's no end to the amazing vegans and plant-based people that we can speak to. Hey, Rip,
0: mm-hmm. isn't that the truth? Well, you're right up there with one of them. Boom! <laughs> Give me a a, a plan strong virtual bump. There you go. Plant strong, Kate. <sighs> Thank you so much, Kate, for getting up at four a.m. Sydney time to share your passion with us here on the Plan Strong Podcast. To learn more about Kate and all of her work and coaching, simply go to StrongBodyGreenPlanet, strongbodygreenplanet.com. And of course, I'll put a link in the show notes. As you're building new habits for yourself, remember what Kate said. It's easier to lead with love than hate. Amen to that. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leaving us a positive review and sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowicz, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Kyle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.